Anyways, hey, we are finishing up our Ask Alexa series. I actually wanted to look up here right when I started talking, because did you notice what they put behind Rick when he was up there talking? Yeah, I know. Some of you are like, wait, what? They put something up behind Rick? Okay, so I was just, oh, that's, don't tell him again. Yeah, I was just checking sure there's nothing for me. That's good. I want to know. Okay, sorry. Had nothing to do with anything. I was a little nervous there. So anyways, we finished our Ask Alexa series this morning. And uh, what an appropriate morning, uh, Labor Day weekend, to talk about the topic we're going to talk about this morning, which is this issue of Sabbath. Now, for some of you, that word maybe is familiar, Sabbath, because maybe you've been in church long enough. You've grown up in church circles, and so you've heard people talk about this concept of Sabbath. Or uh, maybe that word is completely foreign to you. We were like, I I have no idea even what you're talking about. And that's okay, because we want to dig in and take a look at that today. And for the last time probably ever, uh, we want to start by asking Alexa, right? That makes some sense. So we'll start by asking Alexa what she knows about this issue of Sabbath. Uh, Alexa, what do you know about the Sabbath? Alexa, is is it broken this morning or Alexa... Hello? Hello? Oh, there we go. Okay, good. We're working today. Chris, I've decided to take the Sabbath. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, and Chris, so am I. Okay, good, good to know. Uh, thanks, I guess? My pleasure. Okay, there we go. Alexa, never to be seen or heard from again. By the way, just as an aside, do you know who that guy was? His name is Bryce Martinez. He's one of our resident interns in our, in our Family Life Children's Ministries program. So if you see Bryce later, he'll be the one wearing the red Chick-fil-A shirt. Feel free to give him a hug or a noogie or something like that because he's working with lots of little kids, which is very amazing. Here's really what we want to talk about, this concept of Sabbath. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Do you know that? You know that because you've tried to go there on a Sunday. <laughs> and you're like, stinking Christian chicken place, Right? Or that's just me. I don't know, but it's kind of interesting because this concept of Sabbath, since Alexa's not helping us this morning, we have to go to her rival, Google. If you Google Sabbath, this is what you see. It says this. It says, uh, Sabbath, a noun, plural, blah, 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 uh, a day of religious observance and abstinence from work kept by Jews from Friday evening till Saturday evening and by most Christians on Sunday. Not really all that helpful, to be honest. And so like any question in life, uh, where you go, who you ask uh, matters because that answers the question. We want to look and see what the scriptures say. So I want to take a little run through on where Sabbath came from and then answer the question, does it matter for us at all today? And it makes sense to start in the beginning. So we want to start right in Genesis chapter 2, the very first place that Sabbath is ever mentioned. If you have your Bible this morning, that's where we'll be. Uh, these verses are all in the North Point app. If you've downloaded that at some point, there's also some fill-ins. There'll be some extra stuff in there as well. It's kind of probably worth downloading and pulling up and looking at. The verses will be on the screen behind me as well because we want you to see these this morning. Genesis chapter 2. God just finished creating everything from nothing. 
It's kind of a big deal. There was nothing. God created. The scripture seems to indicate that happened in a certain amount of time. Six days, he created uh, uh, plants and stars and oceans and clouds and uh, uh, rain. And uh, my my family and I are watching this show on Netflix right now. We're binge watching. It's called 72 of Asia's Most Dangerous Animals. We're we're bored, apparently. But uh, so that's what's in my head right now. I'm like, did God really create that? I I guess so. That That centipede that'll kill you. Anyways, God created animals and stuff, and on the last day of while uh, he was creating, he created people. It was like the culmination of his creation. And he was like, God's like, this is really good. And then we get to day seven, and in Genesis chapter two, uh, the last verse of chapter one into chapter two says this, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. That Hebrew word rest or rested is is the literal word Sabbath or Sabbath, if we could conjugate it that way. It is that idea of Sabbath. And and I want to come back to this question in a few minutes, but I wanted to just kind of get it in your head and, and get your brain juices starting to think about it. What did God do on that seventh day? Yeah, I know I can read it. it. says he rested. What did he do? Like, literally, what did he do? So, some, some theologians believe that uh, our world was created in uh, six literal 24-hour days. You know, on that seventh day, that would have been a literal 24-hour day. Some theologians say, well, no, that was millions of years. For this conversation this morning, I mean, I care, but this morning I don't care. Like, whatever you want to think about that, a thousand million years or like 24 hours. So what did God do? those 24 hours or those millions, million, whatever years. What did God do? We'll come back to that and play with that in a little bit, but there's where your brain will be for the next 15 minutes. Here's the next time this concept of Sabbath is mentioned. It's in Exodus chapter 16, and uh, Exodus is the story of God's people, the Jews, the Israelites, and, and his relationship with them. They were slaves in Egypt. They just got out of slavery. They're trying to figure out what it means to live with this God who had been really quiet in their lives for about 400 years while they were in slavery. And so as they're leaving and, and they're wandering through the desert. Um, all these adventures happen to them. It's a very cool book, actually. And one of the adventures is that they get hungry and they need food because it's a desert and there's not a lot of food in a desert. And so in chapter 16, verse 23, there's this, this event where God says, okay, I will rain down bread for you every morning, like frosted flakes from heaven. And all you have to do is go out and pick them up. That'll be your whole thing. Like, go pick them up and eat them. But don't, don't get so much for the next day. Only get what you're going to eat for this day. Because after, after you know, nighttime, when you wake up in the morning, all the stuff you collected, if there's extra, it's going to turn all gross and nasty and rotted and stuff. Because I want you to trust me for your daily <laughs> bread. And, and, so, and so they do that. But then God says this in, in verse 23 of chapter 16. He said, each morning... Everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And Moses said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow, the seventh day, is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left, and keep it until morning. And so they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath for the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you to gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath, there won't be any. This is my favorite word in the Bible. Nevertheless, that means there were some dumb people. 
Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. What? How confusing. And then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Kind of an odd event, an odd story. Six days they were supposed to gather. On the sixth day they were supposed to gather enough for two days because Sabbath apparently was a big deal to God. Matter of fact, it was such a big deal to God, he roots their their eating, their life sustenance around this issue of Sabbathing, if we could conjugate it that way. He roots their eating around that. He builds it into the system of them staying alive. And then, and then, and then the language that's used, he says he gives them the Sabbath like it's a gift. Like God gave them a gift in this thing that's called Sabbath. If we flip over a couple of chapters, Exodus chapter 20. Uh, the, the, we're, we're moving along in the story of, of Israel, the Jews, God's people with God, trying to figure out how to live with God. I mean, if, if, can you think about that for a minute? Like you'd never lived with God before. God shows up, frees you from slavery that you've been like your whole world 400 years. That's like five, six, seven, eight generations of people. Like your whole life changes. And God says, like he shows up like in a pillar of fire and cloud and he speaks and there's play. It's like this amazing event where like you see God and God says, now we're going to live together. That doesn't freak anybody out, huh? (laughs) And I'm like, I remember getting married and now I had to figure out how to live with this lady that I didn't, and that was weird. And then we fig- kind of figured it out. Like, we're still figuring it out 23 years later. And this is like God, God, the creator of the universe. That he's going to live with you as a person. And so Israel's trying to figure this out. And so God does this cool thing. He gives them all these terms and conditions of what it means to live with a holy God. Kind of like when you live with a holy apple or Android, or Samsung, or whatever your thing might be. There's terms and conditions on what that relationship looks like, and God lays out a bunch of those, about 600 of them, and right in the beginning of those 600, there are 10 that are the most, uh, like, these these are the ones you got to get. If you're going to tune out in the next five, 600 uh, terms and conditions, then they're like, here are these first 10. We've called them the Ten Commandments. You've heard of this, right? It's just the first 10 to this whole terms and condition thing that were the most important that God wanted them to get right out the chute. Kind of like the Bill of Rights in our world. Like the first 10, like those are a big deal. And so they're, they're, they're huge. They're, they're, they're massive. They're important. They're life-changing. Things like don't murder. <laughs> That's a big deal. You want to live with a holy God? Don't kill each other. Right? Don't steal from each other. Honor your parents. Don't lust after your neighbor's wife. These are like kind of big deals, right? And sandwiched right in the middle of these 10, he says this in in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Don't kill, don't steal, don't worship other gods, don't go steal your neighbor's wife, and keep the Sabbath day. Like, Like, this is kind of interesting because it's sandwiched in these biggies. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, your son, your daughter, your male, female servants, your animals, foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This whole concept of Sabbath is a big deal 
to God. He roots his people's eating around it. He sticks it in the first 10 of the terms and conditions so that they would know how to live with this holy God. Sabbath is a big deal. And it wasn't just a day. There are other Sabbath concepts in the, the, the story, the Old Testament story of God and his people. There's this thing that they call the, uh, uh, the, the year of a, a Sabbath year, a Sabbath year. It's every seventh year. And it, it was marked by certain events. It was a big party for the Jews. The land was supposed to lay fallow. They weren't supposed to plant anything on it. Debts were canceled every seventh year. They called it a Sabbath year. And then they had this concept that was called the year of Jubilee. That was every seventh cycle of seven. For math majors, that would be every 50th year. was called the year of Jubilee. And it was this, this Sabbath to end all Sabbaths, right? I mean, like, like, like all land was given back that had been purchased in the previous 50 years. I have no clue how that works, by the way. That's the weirdest contractual thing ever, right? It was marked by all kinds of stuff, including massive parties and festivals. So Sabbath was much more than just one day a week, and it was a huge concept. Great, Chris. That's Old Testament stuff. God and these Jews, I don't even know a Jewish person, so does this matter to me? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus says about it in the New Testament. Mark chapter 2, this is just a story I pulled. There's lots of them. We could have gone lots of different places, but I just find this one interesting. It says this in verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, so here we are, Jesus is, is existing, and there's still Sabbath concept going on. Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to them, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So, so just quickly, they're not breaking a law by stealing people's grain. That was actually legal for them. It's called gleanings. It's a Jewish law where some of the edges of the field were supposed to be left unharvested for the poor or people who are travelers or whatever. And you could just go along and kind of grab some, I don't really know how this works, grab some grain and eat it. I don't know if that's delicious or not, but I'm trying to picture people picking corn around here in Michigan and just gnawing on the raw corn, which I hear is good. Seems weird to me. Anyways, the the disciples are doing something that's completely illegal. They're just grabbing some grain and kind of eating a snack as they're cruising along. And the religious leaders are spying, and they're frustrated because they feel like Jesus and his guys are doing something unlawful because they're working on the Sabbath. The religious leaders, very cool individuals, had come up with a whole list of things you could not do on the Sabbath. Now, they're probably well-meaning because they're trying to think like, okay, God said don't like, work on the Sabbath or like we're supposed to rest or something. And so let's tell people what that looks like. Because for the religious leaders, that was a big deal for them to tell everybody what they looked like. So they came up with a whole lot of things you could and couldn't do. Like if your donkey fell into the well, you couldn't pull him out. But if your kid fell into the well, you could pull him out on the Sabbath. Yay, kids, right? You couldn't harvest your land on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to pick anything on the Sabbath. You could walk a thousand steps or less, but if you walked more than a thousand steps, then you were breaking the Sabbath law. You couldn't do that on the Sabbath. All these rules that the religious leaders came up with, and they accused Jesus of breaking the law. And so Jesus, being Jesus, says this in verse 25. Have you never read? Did he get that joke? I don't know if you get the joke. Like the, Jesus is talking to learned, well-read people. And Jesus goes, don't you read? <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. Uh, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? The days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and yet David did it. And he also gave some to his companions. Let's not get hung up on the story. Let's get hung up on the next part. And then Jesus said to them, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord over even the Sabbath. 
the idea here, I just want us to see that Jesus says the Sabbath is a big deal, and it was made for us. It was created for people. People weren't created to, to, to live under and be restricted by the Sabbath. Rather, the Sabbath was created as a gift for us. Okay, so what is it exactly? If you're using fill-ins in the app, here we go. Let's just answer three questions, and we'll be done. What is it exactly, and does it matter for us today? Sabbath is actually a verb. The way the Bible uses it, and in Hebrew language, and when it gets transliterated into Greek, it's actually a verb. It implies intentional action. And it literally means to cease, or to desist, or an intermission. Rest in, to rest in something. Not just to rest, but to rest in. There's this implication of more than just resting, but resting in. Or to remove oneself. Uh, a literal stepping out or stepping back or stepping away from. At its core, it begins with the idea of pausing, pausing a regular pace of life. So back to the question I started with, I said we'd come back to this. What did God do when he rested on the seventh day? This is one reason I really don't like sermons, because they're like monologues. I wish we were in a smaller room where we could have this discussion because your thoughts would be really interesting to me. Like, what did God do? It's not like God needed to rest. It's not like he was so wiped out from his creating that he was like, oh my gosh, I just need to sit down for a minute. That's not God, right? God's all-powerful. He doesn't get tired. So he didn't need to rest. Uh, most of my theological training, it says that God did it to model Sabbath rest for us. So he did it, so I should do it. That's fine, but doesn't answer the question. What did he do? <laughs> it's fine if he's modeling it, if that's the, the case. But what did he actually do? What did God do when he rested? Well, there, there, there's a book that's, I, I think, super fascinating. It's called Lost World of Genesis 1. It, it's, it's quoted in your app there, cited there, if you're interested in that. And, and a guy by the name of John Walton writes this. And he, he says basically this, that on that seventh day of creation, God literally filled his creation with his presence. So he filled the creation, and he took control of the universe he created. God literally stepped in to play with and enjoy what he made. Walton is an incredibly smart guy that I don't understand all that he says, but he really, he really uh, breaks down creation to the first three days being God creating a form, and the next three days being God filling the form with something, and day seven is him stepping into that as function. In other words, God literally took control over over what he created. So he didn't just fill, form it and fill it and then step away from it. He formed it and filled it and stepped into it to experience, to enjoy. Now, you don't have to agree with this or like this, but this is interesting to me because it helps me understand, well, what did God do on that seventh day? And, and here's the point that, that, that I would make out of all of that. God didn't just sit back in a beach chair and crack a cold one on the Sabbath. <laughs> He's actively engaging with what he had been making in order to enjoy and appreciate it. And that's something that we can model. So, does the Sabbath matter for us today? I would say absolutely. There's tons of literature written on the issue of healthy work-life balance, right? You've probably read this. You've, you've felt this, if nothing else. At some point, maybe you've said, you know, my job is owning my life, or my, my career is taking control of me, or I'm going to lose my mind, right? 
because you feel like that, like you just don't have this healthy balance. You've got, you've got maybe a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever. Maybe you've got some kids. You've got some extended family. You've got a hobby maybe. And, and then you've got work and all these things are competing for your time. And so there's tons that's written about healthy work-life balance. And the problem is that that's an elusive balance and you will never, ever find healthy work-life balance. But the concept of Sabbath is really what God has given us to answer that question, to deal with that issue. Recognizing and living in the natural rhythms of work, which is God-ordained and given to us, we're supposed to work, uh, and rest, which is, is the Sabbath to enjoy fruits of the labor, that's vital to being a healthy person. Now, uh, recognizing these natural rhythms of work and rest and figuring out what that looks like. So, last question, what does that look like exactly? Well, John Walton, again, in Lost World of Genesis 1, he says this. He says, God is not asking us to imitate his Sabbath rest by taking functional controls. In other words, don't hear me say on Sundays you're supposed to just take massive control of everything in your world and own it. Right? That's what God did. That's not what he's asking us to model. Walton says, I would suggest that instead he's asking us to recognize that he is at the controls, not us. When we rest on the Sabbath, we recognize him as the author of order and the one who brings rest or stability to our lives in the world. Most importantly, this calls on us to step back from our workaday world, those means by which we try to provide for ourselves and gain control over our circumstances. Sabbath is for recognizing that it's God who provides for us and the master of our lives and our world. We're not imitating in him in Sabbath observance. We are acknowledging him in tangible ways. So a great way to start thinking about Sabbath is it is literally an opportunity to let God be in control. Some of us, some of you, some of us work seven days a week. Like you're going to go to work later today. And I, I get this. Like I get, I, get, I get that that happens in our world. And so my question is, when do you literally step back and go, today it's all God, like he's in control. I'm not, I'm not making a dollar today, so if God doesn't step up to the plate, I will starve to death. We don't, we don't do that in our culture. We just, we just don't do that in our culture. We're terrified of that. that. That's regular in lots of cultures around the world. They recognize that if God doesn't step up to the plate and provide, then I'll starve to death today. See, we don't do that. We save, and that's good. I'm all for saving, and, and, and we have plans, and we live under budget. I'm all for living under a budget. I'm just saying, when do we take opportunity to step back and let God be God, to, to really let him be in control? Sabbath is literally a stop doing, stepping back from regular life of work, and a let being, like let what you've done over the last season Take, take form, take shape, let it, let it be. Like, it, look at it and enjoy what you did. Do you ever feel like you're just running on the treadmill? Like you're just constantly running. You never, uh, this is me, I'm just confessing to you all, my priests this morning, that, that I, I, I'm not a very good celebrator. Like I don't, I don't do looking back at what, uh, what's gone on in the last week or month and go, man, that's really cool. I'm so proud of that, excited about that. That's really neat because I'm on to the next thing. Is anybody else with me on that? You don't think about what's, what's gone on or what you've done because you're on to the next thing. And I think people who are with me in that, we struggle with having Sabbath. We're just on to the next thing, excited about the next thing, driving the next thing, running the treadmill to the next thing. And, and I hear God's voice in the back of my head going, Chris, don't pick up the heavenly frosted flakes one day. Like, just let it be. 
Uh, and, and I would never, like, think this in the front of my mind, that if somehow I stopped controlling for a day, the world would spin out of control, right? I would never say that or think that, and yet sometimes I feel like I live that way. Are, are, are we together, some of us? We kind of do that. Sabbath is this idea of letting be and, and enjoying what has been created, what's gone on, what, I, what I've done with my time, those types of things. When we don't Sabbath, we pay the price. Anxiety, stress, frustration, illness, less productive, less effective at work at home, and we know this. That's the sick thing. Instead, we double up on our work hours. We work seven days a week. If we're not at work, we're just checking in at the office, right? It's still in our brains. It's in our minds. We seldom fully walk away. Isaiah was a prophet, poet. He, he wrote a bunch of stuff for, for, again, these people that are trying to figure out how to live with God. In Isaiah chapter 58, he says this in one of his um, poems. He says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I'll cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Aren't those encouraging phrases? Triumph, feast, joy. And, and yet that's something that our culture just chases elusively. Like we don't have those things. We're like, ah, oh, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to get three jobs. I'm going to just stop doubling down. I don't need to sleep. sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead, Right? And so we just work harder, harder, harder. We, we chase those things, and it's elusive. And yet God says, man, I've given you this Sabbath for those reasons. Sabbath is, is complex. It's simple, and I, and I don't know why we struggle with it. So even if we say we're going to take a day off or a weekend off or some time off work, we live in a culture that doesn't encourage it. Because we have email 24-7, social media 24-7, right? Text, a lot of us are on call all the time. That's, that's part of the new work world that we exist in. And so uh, more than ever, Sabbath being such a vitally important concept. And it's not just taking off Sundays or not going to work on Sundays. Technically, Sabbath was Saturday for the Jews. That's when they celebrated it. And as we get into the New Testament, you have the Jews celebrating Sabbath on Saturday, and then they were getting together on Sunday to eat together and celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And then you have all these Greeks, so non-Jews, onboarding into this relationship with Jesus thing. They weren't even celebrating Sabbath. They were just getting together on Sundays to, like, sing together and eat together and talk about Jesus and hear the Word. And It was just... Like, cool, like, like they were trying to figure this. It's more than just taking a day off. It's not uh, so much about the quantity, the time spent not doing, but the quality, what you are doing. There's another book by a guy named Bruce Miller uh, called Your Life in Rhythm. So he's a Christ follower. He just writes a really interesting concept of how we think about this concept of Sabbath. He, he says we have to be thinking more in seasons. We've lost touch with that a bit in our culture because we're not so agrarian anymore. So we're not rooted to the land. We're not rooted to seasons. There's nothing wrong with that. It just is what it is. But he talks about how seasons are sort of built into the regular rhythm. He talks about a daily season, hours of being awake and hours of being asleep. You know, when you're asleep, that really is a type of Sabbath because you literally have no control over your body. I don't want to freak you out or not, but like, 
You ever worried about, I shouldn't even say it. You ever worried about, like, just stop breathing in your sleep? Now you're worried about it. And you're like, oh, Chris, you're a jerk. Right? Like, like, literally, when you sleep, that is a type of Sabbath. You're, you're allowing God fully in control because, like, you have, it's, that's a weird concept. Play with that. Um, uh, uh, so a daily Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, one day of celebrating God's provision. He talks about a monthly Sabbath, finding a weekend to really step away from the normal routine of life and, and, and figuring out how to thank God and celebrate the stuff that he's given you and play with it and enjoy it. Uh, a quarterly season, he, he, he talks about thinking in terms of literal seasons, summer, winter, spring, and fall, and, and how we, we use those markers to notice the God in our life who cares for us, cares for the land around us. And he talks about an annual season. You know, there's holidays that we celebrate uh, every year that come up every year, and if we use those to, to mark times to step back, step away, cease doing, and really enjoy, there's a way to think about this for Sabbath. Here's the question I'll, I'll just leave you with. Stick it in your head. When do you take time to come up for air? When do you take time to just breathe? I hope that's a hard question. When's the last time you took a pause to just come up for air? We're not created to work 24-7. If you're running the frantic pace of life, the treadmill, you're going to burn yourself out. You need Sabbath. If, If this is an issue you struggle with particularly, I just make two suggestions uh, that, that you might want to, you could try right now. Number one is I would, I would say and encourage, uh, think about your Sundays and structure them so that there's celebration of God and, and celebrations of the week. Now, I think coming to church is a great, for me, thing that reminds me, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be thinking about God today, aren't I? That sounds really silly for a pastor to say that, right? But I, but I just think if I don't go to church, will I remember to do that or will I just stay on the treadmill running thinking about all the stuff I have to get done? So this to me is, is such a vital experience. If I didn't work at a church, I'd still go to church because I'd need someone to remind me that there's a God who cares about me and a Jesus who died for me and that's really what this is all about. And so, so restructuring or rethinking about our Sundays to make sure that those are opportunities where we step back and appreciate, I think that's the first suggestion. And the second thing I'd suggest is plan a sabbatical in the next month. Right? Take a weekend, go somewhere, cease from the frantic pace, and celebrate what God's been doing. Two really practical suggestions if this is something you struggle with. I want to end with a video uh, this morning. Uh, A gal's name is Tara Russell. Uh, She's just going to talk two minutes on the issue of healthy work-life balance and what that looks like for Sabbath. She's the CEO of something called Create Common Good. It's a skills-based program where they teach people how to do food prep stuff, and the the people that they engage with are folks that are uh, difficult to employ for one reason or the other. And so, So that's got to be an incredibly stressful job. You know there's not a lot of pay in it. She's probably running the thing on herself. She could easily work 24 seven because there's always somebody who needs something. Amen? So this is what Tara says um, about this issue. Well, you know, I think um, we live in a culture sort of full of dangerous potential. I think um, we see leaders kind of on the edge, living at full throttle, really, and um, myself as one of those. I think I hit the wall about a year ago, realizing that um, I was sort of waist deep into my third startup in about six years and kind of woke up one morning unsure of of really who I was. I knew what I did and I had been doing for years, but I had really lost that um, just wholeness from having my identity in Christ and um, just resting in him. It's amazing in the context and the culture we live in, we're all pushed to sort of do more faster. And when we are ambitious and have, you know, kind of, 
lofty goals that are good, sometimes that can take away from the best things. So I realized last fall that, you know, I wasn't being the best parent I could be. I wasn't being the best wife I could be. And I think it really all stemmed from the fact that I wasn't creating space to just rest with God. So um, the balance is tricky and and balance... um, you know, is is somewhat elusive and and hard to achieve. That said, what I've had to do is put very sort of purposeful rhythms into my life. So I've had to set, you know, stronger boundaries, um, creating space to just be with my family, um, creating space to not be connected to email or internet. Um, I've got really, um, gotten really disciplined in sort of old school in my Sabbath in that um, I really believe having a, a very sort of forced pause Sabbath and, you know, not getting into my email, not getting into the things that get my mind racing about work has been really important. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just now starting to breathe again. And I'm just starting to feel that life, you know, really coming back. So I think, um, you know, achieving balance comes a lot more naturally when we start breathing again and when we start to feel like life. And so, you know, having boundaries, kind of creating healthy rhythms, those are two of the things that have helped me a lot um, to do that. Amen. North Point, my prayer for you is that we just have a fantastic concept of Sabbath. It becomes something God gave us and we enjoy it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, if not before.